torrential rain. A light mist lay like chiffon over the fields in the woodlands, yielding easily to the gentle urgings of the rising sun. Vasco said, You're sure they really want us for breakfast? Certain. When I talked to Rose on the phone, she was very angry we had to cry off arriving last night and insisted on first thing today. She probably had a fatted calf roasting. Yeah, I'm sorry. It was a shame. Ellie put on her indignant look. Shame? That fat sadist DL doesn't know the meaning of the word. It wasn't his fault. It's this string of break-ins we've been brought in on. The phone rang just as I was leaving. So you say, grunted Ellie. Bloody queer time for a burglary. I bet DL did it. The break-in happened sometime earlier this week, explained Pasco patiently. It was only discovered yesterday when the people got back from holiday. Serves them right for coming back early. They should have stayed away for the weekend. Then we could have enjoyed all ours, too. I hope we will, said Pasco, smiling fondly at her. It'll be good to see them all again. We arrived at Thornton Lacey at 8.50. I noted the exact time as I looked at my watch to see how close to our forecast time of arrival we were, and it must have been two or three minutes before nine o'clock when we reached the cottage. The curtains were all drawn, and we received no replies to our knocks. We should have waited, said Pasco smugly. Nonsense! If they got so pie-eyed last night they can't hear us knocking, they weren't to be ready for 9.30 either. It was a lovely cottage. Tudor, half-timbered. A not very successful attempt had been made to train a rambling rose around the doorway. Above the thatched roof, a flock of television aerials parted the morning breeze and serenely sang their triumph over charm and Tudory. Colin's quite ruthless, said Ellie, following his gaze. If you modernise, modernise. He doesn't see any virtue in pretending that a pair of farm labourers' cottages was once a desirable sixteenth-century residence. Nor in keeping farming hours, it seems, said Pasco. Though perhaps they preserve some old country customs, such as never locking the door. He pressed the door handle right down and pushed. The hinges creaked satisfactorily as the oak door swung open directly into a nicely proportioned lounge, with furnishings which, though comfortable-looking, were antiquated rather than antique. Three whisky tumblers stood on a low table in the middle of the room. They were still half full. An empty bottle of teachers stood beside them. A Churchillian cigar had been allowed to burn out in a large cut-glass ashtray. Ellie began drawing curtains back prior to opening a window. Pasco was sniffing gently a faintly puzzled look on his face. He crossed the room to the door in the farthermost wall. It was ajar, and he pushed it fully open and stepped through into the next room. The round, highly polished mahogany table still bore the debris of a meal. But it wasn't the table which held his attention. White-faced, he turned to stop Ellie from following him. She had moved the rear window now, and was just drawing the curtains there. Ellie, he said. She froze, her hand on the window latch staring incredulously through the pane. A thin, single-noted scream forced its way from the back of her throat. Two men were lying on the dining room floor in positions indicated on the police photograph A1. They had both received severe gunshot wounds and had been bleeding copiously. The nature of the wounds and the strong cordite smell I had noticed in the air led me to assume the wounds had been caused by a shotgun fired at close range.
The man lying beside the dining table, position X on the photograph, I recognise as Timothy Mansfield of Grover Court, London NW2. The other man I was not able to recognise immediately, as he had received the greater part of the gun blast in the neck and lower face, but later I was able to confirm he was Charles Rushworth of the same address. I turned to prevent Miss Sober from following me into the room, but she was clearly disturbed by something she could see from the rear window. I looked out into the garden at the back of the house and saw the figure of a woman lying at the base of a sundial in the centre of the lawn, photograph C3. I could not recognise her from the window as her face was pressed to the grass. There had been a great deal of bleeding from the head. It's Rose, said Ellie. There's been an accident. She made for the dining room, seeking a way into the garden. Pasco caught her by the shoulders. Telephone.